Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest this week is Preston Wallace. Preston, how are you doing? Awesome, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for doing this. It's very nice to meet you. I am already impressed because you have four kids. <laughs> I have one, so you are at least doing four times the work that I am. <laughs> Tell me what that's like being the dad to four young kids. Uh, it's wild. Uh, and to, to sum it up, um, I'm incredibly fortunate that my beautiful wife uh, has allowed me to kind of take off with some of my career and the path that I'm on right now. So um, she's really the glue to the family that's allowed me to kind of branch out and do these different things uh, from a professional standpoint. Um, so I get to come home at the end of the day when most of the work's been done and kind of pick up the pieces and uh, spend that quality time with my kids, which has been really great. But um, it's a journey, to say the least. It's uh, it's a handful. Um, they all have their own unique personalities, which brings, um, you know, really interesting aspects to my day. Uh, yeah. It's never the same. So uh, it's interesting, but it's been it's been a blessing. So you mentioned the oldest is eight, the youngest are two, correct? Mm -hmm. Twins who are yep. two. What are what's the eight the eight year old into? Anything specific? She is big into dance, gymnastics. Uh -huh. um, she's kind of our diva of the bunch. So, okay. Um, a very girly girl, um, loves, you know, to dress up and, uh, make sure that she feels really pretty and, um, all those kinds of things. And she's got a heart of gold, but, uh, right now she's really big into dance and gymnastics. Okay. All right. Well, I have an eight year old in my life, so I might come to you for some pointers yeah. because <laughs> I had a son who is now 22, had only known boy stuff. And now all of a sudden I have to learn <laughs> some new things, including the world of dance. She's in ballet. So I may ask you for some pointers when yeah, that's great. we can do this without boring our guests into <laughs> too much of that small talk. Well, thanks again for doing this. I want to start um, with your career path, and, and you're relatively young in your career, but what I'd like to hear about is what were you thinking about when you were at Carroll High School in terms of where you might go with a career? Did you stay on that path? Did you divert from the path? And if so, why did you divert and where did you go from there? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I think really looking back on it now, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Yep. Um, I'm in that club too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I still find myself in that club, uh, some days, but, yeah. um, as do I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a really from sixth grade on, I found that I really fell in love with writing. Mm -hmm. Um, so as I got into high school, I knew that whatever I did, I wanted that to be a big portion of my career. Mm -hmm. Um, so while I was in high school, I played soccer. Um, I was also playing club soccer, so I was really, really busy uh, from an athletic standpoint. Um, but I wasn't really sure where the writing kind of fit into that mold. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, I fell in love with just some of the different journalism classes and marketing classes that I was taking at the time. Um, found a really great community just amongst my peers there and then decided that I wanted to get more involved uh, with the journalism. So I joined our uh, newspaper club and then mm -hmm. also uh, became the editor for the front page. Um, had a couple different writers that were below me on that. Um, learned a ton. Yeah. Uh, found what I liked, found what I didn't. Um, realized that maybe journalism wasn't the necessarily the best route that I wanted to go or the route that I saw myself going eventually, but knew that the writing aspect of it really stu stood true. And, um, I really wanted to kind of explore that a little bit further. Um, as I went throughout, uh, high school, I wasn't a bad student, but I wasn't like a, you know, overachiever by any sure, means. Sure. Um, and I think part of that was just because I wasn't, wasn't, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I knew I loved the, the soccer and the athletics and, um, being physical and being outdoors. Um, so I, I, again, I was just kind of just at the stagnant point. Um, so after high school, 
you know, everyone pushes you to go to college. And, um, you know, my teachers, my friends and my, my parents were all like, you know, hey, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. And so for a short stint there, uh, I kind of went with the flow mm-hmm. and did what my parents wanted me to do or, yeah. um, and kind of went that direction. So I took, I think, probably two semesters of college at that point um, before I realized I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm not interested in doing this right now. Yeah. I know that much. Um, and so I kind of took a step back, um, which is then when I got busy with my family life mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, so I learned a lot in the real world at that time, um, that I probably otherwise wouldn't have learned at that age. Um, you know, being thrown into fatherhood, um, you know, exploring my relationship with my wife, uh, really just figuring out who I was, where I wanted to land in the world. Um, which eventually then took me on to the University of St. Francis eventually, which is where I really fell in love with uh, the communication, public relations uh, side of the work. Okay. Well, you and I have a similar story. I was a English major who knew he probably wasn't going to be a full-time journalist and he probably wasn't going to be a teacher, which doesn't leave much when you're an English major. (laughs) But I figured out marketing eventually, but it took me some time. And part of that was being in, as you say, the real world. I actually, like you, and we'll get into this, was in the restaurant industry. And it was hard, hard work, hard enough work that I said, I don't want to do this either full time. Sure. Yeah. Else. So how did you get into the work you did in hospitality? Where was that an interest or was it just a job while you were in school? Yeah. At the time it was definitely just a job. Mm-hmm. Um, out of high school, I was looking for work. I was looking to make some money. Um, I didn't want anything overly complicated. Um, I wanted something that was flexible. Yeah. Um, the restaurant industry seems to be kind of that avenue for a lot of people. Um, So I remember my first job actually was a delivery driver for Marco's Pizza, like Leo Grable area. All right. Okay. Um, Which I actually really love. I'm a big fan of Marco's Pizza. It's an underrated pizza. And their cheesy bread. Yeah, really good stuff. And this this podcast is not sponsored by Marco's Pizza, (laughs) so everyone knows. Okay. Um, So I did that. I kind of got to learn the ropes. It was a small community, obviously. Um, And I got to really know people um, that lived in the area, um, it's a big Amish community out there as mm-hmm. well. You know, Spencerville and Harlan um, really fell in love with a lot of the different families and the dynamics that were out there. Um, did a lot of prep work, kind of cooking, and then also the delivery driving portion as well. Um, eventually realized that it was too hard on my car and the weather <laughs> yeah. was not great. Yeah. And uh, I kind of wanted to get out of that a little bit. But I think it was probably towards the tail end of that, that I really realized, like, maybe this isn't just a job. Maybe Mm -hmm. I actually enjoy this and can see this kind of growing into something a little bit more. Um, So from there, I went on to work at a little Greek restaurant out north uh, called Pita Village, which is Mm -hmm. no longer open, but um, really, really sweet Greek Greek family that had taken me kind of under their wing. Um, My older brother went to school with their kid and just really hit it off. Um, I kind of wore 15 different hats over Mm -hmm. there and um, did a little bit of everything from management to dishwashing to serving to cooking, um, everything in between. And that's really where I absolutely fell in love with the industry itself. Um, I really just, I, it was at that point that I realized like how well I could connect with the community just mm-hmm. through the vessel of food. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the common denominator. Yeah. Um, whether, you know, it's from, you know, the American culture or overseas or mm-hmm. what have you. Um, it's really, that's something that brings us together as a, as a community. And so I really discovered that through the Greek work that I was doing at that restaurant. Um, and that's a staple to them as well in their culture. Um, and so I really leaned into that. Um, and from there I went on to, uh, sidecar, 
mm-hmm. um, which is the outdoor patio bar at what used to be called Wine Down, which is yep. now Copper Spoon. Yep. Um, really fun place. Yeah, really yeah. fun place. Um, if so you want to get a drink in the, not the actual head of a parrot, but in a glass that looks like the head of a parrot, that's your place that's to go for to do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I switched over to that, which was really like my first serving job, if mm-hmm. you will, but even still, you know, it's outdoors on yeah. the patio. So it wasn't like full blown fine dining by any means, but, um, really enjoyed that. And that was kind of the starting point of what was going to eventually hopefully be me getting into wine down mm-hmm. to serve in more mm-hmm. of a fine dining atmosphere. Um, little side note, that's actually how they used to hire back in the day is oh, they really hire like seasonally for sidecar. Hmm. And then at the end of the season, if you, you know, made the cut, they'd let you go in. Interesting. Um, okay. oddly enough for me, and I like to give Gary uh skill, who's the owner over there, um, crap about this still to this day. But, um, at the end of the sidecar season, he said that, you know, I just don't think you have the personality for it. Um, so we're just going to have to pass on you and, and we don't have the position for you available inside wide down right now. So I was really let down and bummed about that. Um, I knew a gal that was working over at Biagi's, uh, over at Jefferson point. And so I put an application in there and a couple days later I started there mm-hmm. trained for about three weeks before I completed the process. And then I get a call from Gary Skeel at wind down <laughs> saying, yeah. uh, Hey, we've got a position. We'd love to come, uh, you know, offer it to you and have you join our team. Um, so I didn't want to leave Biagi's cause I just put in all this sure, work. Sure. Um, so for probably about a year and a half or so, I did lunches at Biagi's mm-hmm. and then I would go into Copper Spoon oh, wow. wind down at the time, um, and serve there in the evening. Okay. And, and this is pre kids. Uh, this is, I, this is with kids. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, my wife and I at this point were barely seeing each other, trying yeah, to, you know, yeah. at the time working opposite schedules. Yeah. Well, that's the downside of a restaurant is a lot of it's nights and weekends. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, um, I definitely don't miss that portion of that right sure, now. Sure. Sure. Um, so yeah, I eventually, uh, ended up leaving Biagi's and just going full-time at Copper Spoon, um, did some serving there for a long time, um, had been offered a variety of different jobs within the, the, uh, the space and then, um, really took off with the hospitality service uh, management portion of that as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I did that. I think I was in there for a little over four years, close to four and a half years. Um, and that's where I was when um, I was going to school at the University of St. Francis, um, which, you know, was his own conversation in and of itself then. So Yeah, yeah. So how do you end up where you are today at Downtown Improvement District? What's the entree to, to that position? So... Towards the end of my degree, I was um, I had a complete I don't remember how many hours it was, but I had a complete mm-hmm. you know internship uh, hours for credit, and I think at the time I had to do two internships, but because of my unique situation with uh, you know four kids at home and <laughs> yeah. and juggling this and and job and all that stuff. Um, my academic advisor Kristen Miller, who's wonderful. Oh, Kristen's great. She's, yeah, she she's just phenomenal. moved to. I can't remember somewhere where it's out of out. state. Yeah, yeah, somewhere out of state, but she's working remotely. Yeah. Um, she's doing still like communications and stuff okay. like that for them. Oh, great! Uh, but fantastic woman. Oh yeah, um, I owe her a ton of credit for where I'm at now. Um, so I, she was understanding to say the mm-hmm. least that I had a lot going on, and yeah. uh, she's like, you know what, we can just go go ahead and roll it all into one. Yeah. Um, if you find something, so I actually had applied for, I believe it was a business attraction and a talent attraction job or internship, I'm sorry, uh, with Northeast Indiana Mm -hmm. Regional Partnership. Mm -hmm. Um, Did not end up getting that, which the 
candidates they went with were far more qualified than me at the time, so it made total sense. Sure. Um, I ended up going on to apply at Visit Fort Wayne for a communication position. Um, Jessica Campbell got back to me eventually and said that they actually filled the position. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was out searching, and of course, you know, being the procrastinator that I am, uh, I kind of was getting down to the wire. I had to figure out an internship. Yep. Um, so I went out to uh, IndianaIntern.net and had one of the first ones I saw was Fort Wayne Downtown Improvement District mm-hmm. slash Art This Way yep. marketing intern. Mm-hmm. It was like sweet. So yeah. uh, I applied for that, got a call like the next day, I believe, and went in for an interview. And then I had a follow-up interview with uh, Stephen J. Bailey, mm-hmm. who is fabulous as well, um, and then was eventually brought on, um, began interning in June of last year. Okay. And then went from there to, I think my internship actually completed like the end of August, beginning of September. But I wanted to continue to keep my foot in the door. It was such a great organization. I really fell in love with the work. Um, So eventually, you know, I was like, hey, I can't continue to come in, basically work part-time slash intern, whatever you want to call it at this point, and then go into Copper Spoon and and work late hours Mm -hmm. and then go home and do homework till 3 a.m. and then wake up with the kids and do it all over again. I said, you know... I'm at a point right now that I want to continue to build on what I've been learning um, in my program, mm-hmm. uh, University of St. Francis. And so, you know, I, I basically need to, to choose one or the other. Um, so I had a pretty pretty solid heart-to-heart with uh, Michael Galbraith, who mm-hmm. is uh, the president over there. Um, and he eventually offered me a job, and, and so I've been with them ever since. All right. Well, that's great. So for people who may be less familiar with Downtown Improvement District. Tell us a little bit about what the organization is, what it does, what your team looks like, and what your role is on that team. That's a great question. Uh, even when I joined, I was like, I'm not really sure yeah, well, it's who you are and what you do. It's one of those organizations that I think there's times when it's very visible, but it kind of exists just beneath the surface because it's really there to promote other entities, not so much itself. Sure. Um, so we're an organization that it's governed by a board of directors. We partner with the city of Fort Wayne um, and also Allen County as well. Uh, and then we work with a wide range of uh, not-for-profit, uh, private, and public entities um, to really make downtown Fort Wayne a vibrant place to live, work, and play. Um, you know, our mission is to advance downtown Fort Wayne as the vibrant urban core of Northeast Indiana. And so everything we do um, is at the heart of community, um, whether it's supporting and advocating our stakeholders and our business owners um, within the 99-block districts that we represent. Um, or, you know, putting on events that draw people downtown. So hopefully they spill over and spend those local dollars. Um, you know, everything we do is really just community driven, which is what initially attracted me to the position to begin with. Um, obviously coming from hospitality and just, you know, the passion that I have for that and the love that I have in terms of being able to connect and contribute to my community. Um, this seemed like a natural fit for me. So we're a small but mighty team. Uh, we've got six people that are actually in-house and then we've got six on the street that are part of our cleaning green team. And then we've got, uh, two contractors that we work with as well. Um, Alex Hall, who runs our Art This Way program, Mm -hmm. so all of the public murals that you see throughout downtown. And then Stephen J. Bailey, who does a lot of our web, social Mm -hmm. media, um, photography, stuff like that behind the scenes as well. Yeah. So what translated from the world, the restaurant world, to this job, and what was new for you that you had to learn kind of from the ground up? Uh, A lot of new. Yeah. uh, That's for sure. Um, I think I enjoyed the idea that not every day was going to be the same. 
Um, and I think with a, an evolving, growing community like downtown Fort Wayne, yeah. um, that was true mo- now more than ever. And so I really enjoyed um, going into work every day and realizing like the opportunities that were out there and the potential to make something out of nothing. Um, I also just love the fast-paced environment, which was, you know, something that is, is typical of the hospitality industry, even in fine dining. Um, I'm probably ADD or OCD in some capacity, and so my brain just operates, you know, a mile a minute. Um, and so that really, that carried over well for me, I think, because, you know, managing 30-plus projects at a sure, time or whatever, sure. um, it also really bodes well with just the style of service and hospitality that I was used to uh, being raised in, basically. Um, but... You know, I'm learning more and more every day. I'm still getting my feet wet. Some of the mm-hmm. programs, um, you know, that I wasn't familiar with previous to being a full-time employee, um, you know, I saw minor glimpses of when I was interning and then even part-time. But now that I'm actually, you know, in control of some of the budget and I'm in control of, you know, how we actually roll out this marketing campaign and execute it, um, especially with events like coming up like Fright Night, for, for instance, um, I didn't do any of the planning of that. So all of this is new to me. I'm kind of re- learning the ropes sure. and uh, everyone on the team has been super gracious throughout that entire process but um i don't know i'm learning a lot for sure okay so you mentioned fright night which is around halloween Mm -hmm. um what other big projects are on your plate right now because my guess is there's things that might be further off in the distance that are on your mind right now and maybe some things that are more immediate what are some of the things that are taking up most of your headspace most of your time right now so uh at the beginning of the year really a lot of it was just updating general branding. Mm-hmm. Um, I inherited a, a rebrand when I was interning. Huh. We were kind of right. going through that that transitional process. Um, you know, kind of similar to Visit Fort Wayne. They're the Visitors and Bureau Convention Center. Um, you know, we are the Fort Wayne Downtown Economic Improvement District. It's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, it's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we shorten that, make it more concise? Um, and so we went from that um you know, from the downtown improvement district to downtown Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. So everything that I had in terms of marketing collateral all had the did on it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so that was a big undertaking, and it still is a big undertaking, obviously operating on a small budget. Sure. Um, so having to prioritize, you know, what can wait, what absolutely needs to be, you know, reprinted or rebranded or what have you. Um, so I'm still going through that process right now. Um Outside of that, there's just been a lot of just getting to know the events itself. How do we, you know, build on the foundation of a really well-established event like a Fright Night, Mm -hmm. like a Lunch on the Square Mm -hmm. or a Night of Lights, Um, most of which I didn't even realize that our organizations were the ones behind putting on and facilitating. Um, So how do we continue to build upon that foundation of what made these events so successful, so effective, um, that they're still around 14, 15 seasons later? but continue to be innovative with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last thing I want to do, especially as an improvement district by and large, is become stagnant. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of why I was brought on into a full-time capacity in this role in particular was to bring a, a young kind mm-hmm. of fresh perspective. Um, you know, the organization was founded in 1995. Um, and every 10 years we have a reauthorization. We're getting ready to come up on another one here in 2025 where our district could potentially double, mm-hmm. um, most certainly increase in size. Um, and so in order to be a, you know, relevant and timely, um, especially with all of the continued growth and development that we're seeing in downtown Fort Wayne, how do I continue to make things more innovative, whether it's through our events and what our offerings are or quality of life amenities or the public art that we're bringing or um, making sure people understand the importance of shopping local and shopping mm-hmm. small. Um, and so 
that has all kinds of different, uh, you know, voices and faces behind it. Um, for me, I'm learning a lot of that right now in terms of what that looks like for me on a daily basis and how I can better contribute to the organization because of it. Yeah. Um, well, and, and thank you for not correcting me when I called it the downtown improvement district. Now I know downtown Fort Wayne, so that'll stick in my head now. Thanks. Um, so what are some of the things that have been the most exciting for you or that you're most proud of that you've worked on either as an intern or, or in the full-time capacity? You're, you're obviously hitting this job at a really great time in terms of changes in downtown Fort Wayne. I, I say this to some of my younger coworkers, but this is absolutely true. I've worked in this building in downtown Fort Wayne now for 18 years. When I started here, there was no J.K. O'Donnell's. There was no Proximo. There was almost nowhere to go to lunch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you had, I think it was Loaf and Ladle, which is long gone, Dash In. Probably uh, Powers. Powers, <laughs> Double Dragon, and Cindy's, and that was about it. Yeah. And now, you know, every day you've got a, a huge number of choices. So obviously it's a great time to promote downtown. What are some of the things that you've experienced that are most exciting that make you, make you the most proud? Uh, so a big portion of my job that I really enjoy and have really leaned in, it leaned into and, and fallen in love with over the last six to 12 months probably, um, has been the art this way program. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously we're becoming really, really well known for our public art scene. Um, it's just a growing, uh, quality of life amenity that we have as an offering to not only our residents, but to visitors. Um, but really kind of diving deeper into the research behind why we continue to do public art installations has been really intriguing to me um, from an economic standpoint, from the diverse uh, groups of people that it brings out um, to, again, hopefully having people spill over after walking through the alleyways and seeing the murals to go spend some dollars um, and go have a mimosa at brunch mm -hmm. or, you know, go shopping at one of the local boutiques. Um, so right now we're working on uh, finalizing details for our upcoming Art Crawl, which is our annual fundraiser for the Art This Way program. Um, it's funny because on the uh, last year I was on the other side of it. Uh, Copper Spoon has always been uh, classically involved with this uh Art crawl, and so um, last year I actually worked the event on behalf okay. of Copper Spoon, so right. I got to kind of see the flip side of it. Well, that's a great perspective, though. I'm sure it informs your work being able to see it from that side. Absolutely. So um, this year I'm more on the marketing planning kind of committee side of things, and helping determine you know who's a good caterer for for what venue, and um, you know what artists can we bring that's different and fresh um, and, and vibrant, really adds to the landscape of the downtown area. Um, so. The art crawl right now is probably one of my favorite things that I'm working on. Um, Alex Hall is phenomenal to work with. She's really, really knowledgeable and intelligent when it comes to these different things. Um, and we actually work closely with uh, the city of Fort Wayne on that uh, because, you know, they funded for this this project, the Gale uh, Public Life, Public Realm Study, mm -hmm. uh, which is specific to downtown Fort Wayne itself. So um, I didn't know this prior to my time with the organization, but... Uh, where we put these murals is actually very strategic in hmm. nature. Um, you know, you look at Sidecar, for instance, uh, which definitely needed a facelift. Yeah. Um, and, and it got that this year earlier in the summer. Um, but we look at the Gale study and it's like every 24 feet, we need to be 
uh, engaged. Hmm. Um, our stimuluses need to be uh, active, and mm-hmm. and that's what keeps us lingering longer downtown. That's what keeps us um, to adding to the to vibrancy of downtown, um, spending dollars locally, stuff like that. And so where we put those murals along the stretches of downtown is just very strategic, and and really diving into the research of that has been rewarding for me. Um, so yeah, the, the Art This Way program has always been near and dear to my heart, and I'm learning more and more why every day. Um, outside of that, we're doing a lot of different things in terms of storytelling. And mm-hmm. as you alluded to, I mean, it's now's the best time to be able to do sure. that. Um, I remember, you know, being born and raised in Fort Wayne, that everyone really did pack up at five o'clock and go yeah. home. Yeah. Um, downtown was considered scary, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's still those narratives out there that linger, oh, sure. which is a, you know, challenge in my job that I have to continue yeah. to battle that narrative and, and work towards, you know, fixing that. But, um, I think that's a big portion of what I'm doing right now is, is storytelling, um, kind of turning the page of where we were, where we're at now, and where we're going. And so I'm doing a lot of work with um, content writing uh, to be able to build our SEO online, to be able to give us more of a presence on, on social media, um, and to be able to reach different crowds that we otherwise may haven't reached before. So we're doing a lot of that right now. Um, I'm kind of in the exploratory phases of that, what that looks like, uh, whether it's through you know actual articles or just online content or film or, you know, social media influencers or so many different avenues that our organization historically has not really, you know, dove too far into. Um, But now that they have someone, a dedicated person doing these things, bringing a young, fresh perspective, it's it's a fun time to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, well, it sounds great. It does sound like a lot of fun. I'm I'm envious a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, let's pivot to some of the more quick hit questions that I want to ask you. And the first one has to do with your career. You've, you've got a fairly young career, as I mentioned, but you've done a lot of different things. You've been working for a while. What's something you've learned that you think is critical to career success or career fulfillment? Maybe advice you'd pass on to one of your kids or someone who is still trying to figure out where they want to be. Uh, the first thing that jumps out to me is don't be afraid to take risks. Um, you know, if I were afraid to take risk, I wouldn't even be sitting here with you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a huge risk and gamble for me to go from what I considered a really cush job to with good pay too, mm-hmm. um, and and really kind of running the show over yeah. there to okay, I'm not going to be you know at the top of the food chain here, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to know every in and out of the yeah. business, and that was nerve wracking for me. Um, it still is nerve wracking for me, but I've come to terms with it. And, you know, if you don't take those chances, if you don't take those risks, how do you ever know who it is you want to be or, or, you know, where you're going to end up? You have to be able to be willing to explore those different possibilities and and, uh, potential opportunities. And so that's probably my biggest piece of advice. Uh, I wish I could tell my younger self that at times, but (laughs) you know, uh, in hindsight. So um, outside of that, I would say also to just continue to be curious, Mm -hmm. you know, don't ever stop asking questions. Um, and that's where I attribute a lot of my success of where I'm at now, um, to Kristen Miller at university of St. Francis, because Mm -hmm. she always encouraged us to ask questions, even if we felt like they were stupid or, you know, does it really, we don't have a good response for it right now. Let's work toward it. Yeah. Uh, Let's figure it out together. And so, um, I think sparking that sense of curiosity, um, and making sure that that spark maintains and you continue to ask questions and, um, want to solve problems and want to bring people together and collaborate, I think there's really no going wrong with that. And so, yeah, well, that's great. And I think that, um, objective perspective coming into an organization where you had maybe little knowledge, bringing some of those questions 
to the table might really open the eyes of folks who've been there a little bit longer into some of the things the audience doesn't know. Absolutely. You know, the long, I, I know this as someone who just celebrated his 18th anniversary here. The longer you work somewhere, it's, it's great in some respects because you have more experience, but you also forget what people, you know, what might be elementary to you isn't so much to the person on the street or the person you're trying to reach. So exactly. I would hold on to that objectivity with both hands for as long <laughs> as you can. Um, second quick hit question has to do with your organization, but I'm going to give you a couple different ways you can respond to this one. I'd like you to tell me a myth or misconception that you'd like to clear up about downtown Fort Wayne, a um, little known fact, something you think deserves a little bit more attention, or it could be not about your organization, but about downtown itself. What's something you think people should know about, whether it's a myth that you want to clear up or something that you think deserves more attention? Uh, well, one, and I deal with this a lot just in my, my job, um, downtown Fort Wayne has a ton of parking. Yeah. Um, well, here's something that I tell people all the time because I hear, oh, there's no parking. It's gotten worse. And I say, no, there's – just because there's no free parking right in front of the place you want to go exactly. doesn't mean that there's no parking. Yes, there's a difference. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and that's what we're used to. Um, and part of it's probably the dynamic of – how downtown was 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that we're still kind of lingering that, uh, lingering on that a little bit. And part of it's generational. Mm -hmm. um, part of it also just kind of bodes into that same idea of like downtown's scary. Scary and no parking? Oh my goodness. I'm Why definitely not go going there? down yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but really, there's an abundance of parking when it comes to just the different options that we've got, whether it's parking garages or lot parking or, you know, street parking or, you know, what have you. But we've got a ton of parking resources available. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is people just aren't aware of where those resources sure. are. Um, and so that's probably the biggest thing that's a, a myth in my mind. So um, what's, a, what's a good place to park for someone who may say there's nowhere to park in Fort Wayne? What's your hidden gem in terms of a place to park? Well, I think it depends on what you're doing. Um, I actually just worked closely with Kara Hackett on an Input Fort Wayne uh -huh. story related to this. Um, it's it, it really, I think it does come down to what you have in mind, how long you're going to be downtown. You know, if I'm just going in and out for, you know, a quick beer and a bite yeah. to eat with my wife, street parking is probably going to be the yep. best route. And yep. I know I'm accountable, so I can't stay and drink beer all day either. So, yeah. um, I, you know, if I'm going and I'm spending an entire day, whether it's walking promenade or going to the botanical conservatory or, you know, we're taking the kids to do whatever, the farmer's market, I might end up in a parking garage. Mm -hmm. um, I know that the 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 pay on that's going to be capped at a certain point. Yep. It's not anything overly expensive. I don't have to worry about going back and feeding the meter. Yep. Um, so I think it really is just dependent and subjective to what you have in mind and how long you plan on being downtown. Yeah, and relatively inexpensive compared to, I know Fort Wayne has to compete against itself, but mm. it is nothing. I, I even, I will tell you a secret, something I, I haven't told anyone else. I got a ticket the other day. I, was, I had a meeting um, with an organization on Wayne Street and I thought it was going to be an hour. So I took some street parking and put in, you know, whatever it was, which was nominal. But we got going. So I came out and I was like, I think I have a ticket. I did have a <laughs> ticket. But I, as someone who grew up in Boston, I saw that it was 10 bucks, And I was like, you know, this is kind of okay, given how cheap it is to park in downtown. Yeah, what would that ticket cost you in Boston? Yeah, I, it probably would have cost me so much that <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have paid it. And then it would have cost me more. Exactly. Time. So, yeah. So I think that's a great advice that... Maybe, you know, you might have to walk a little bit, might have to think differently than your muscle memory, but certainly plenty of places to park. Yeah, and part of it, I mean, with a, a growing urban landscape like this, 
we don't, you know, it's, it's, it's inevitable that we're not going to get dropped off at the door. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, you know, it's not small town Roanoke or Decatur. Mm -hmm. And while we still have charm, um, and pockets like that, um, the small town feel still, um, we're just growing and, you know, there's just they're not the capacity to be able to drop you off at the front door. And I get that that's not ideal for four seasons, but yeah. it's kind of just uh, a growing pain and a symptom of success, I think. So. Yeah. Well, if you're a fan of the city you live in, you should want it to be busy and vibrant. And exactly. Have the demand be sometimes greater than the supply. Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, last quick hit question. In terms of the tools you use at work, and this could be something, it doesn't have to be digital, it can be analog, but is there something you use? It could be a tool, could be a trick, could be a tip, could be a hack, could be any of those things. Something you use that you rely on that you think deserves a little bit of uh, publicity as well. Yeah, that's a really great question. I'm not sure I have a super solid answer for that at this point yet. Um, I'm kind of in this weird in-between age, too, where, you know, growing up in the 90s, everything was still, for the most part, um, very traditional, old school, pen and paper, textbooks, all that stuff. Um, But then I was also, you know, right on the cusp of the internet, you know, booming and um, social media taking off and, and, you know, where we're at now in terms of digital era, which, you know, is is totally different night and day from what it was. and I came into an organization that was kind of in that same boat, yeah. right? They knew they needed to get things caught up to speed in terms of um, their digital involvement or some of the different tools they were using, whether it was Trello or Slack or um, HubSpot or Podio or whatever. Um, and I think previous to me, I think they played around with some of those, but they're like, we're so small of an organization. I don't know that I need this platform or mm-hmm. I don't know that I need you know, to be able to put all this in when I can just shout it down the hall or yeah. walk two steps out of my office yeah. or um, you know, what have you. So... I, I know that there are certain things that I really enjoy and I work really closely with, um, you know, Stephen J. Bailey on in terms of our communication back and forth as a contractor um, that are beneficial to me, but not necessarily beneficial to the whole organization. Um, so I'm kind of in that weird gray in between area on that of still taking notes on pen and paper, mm-hmm. but still doing a lot of things on the digital. So I'm kind yeah. of transitioning in that respect too. Sure. Uh, I will say something that's a, a newer software that, that, well, I should say newer to us, uh, but I think it's still pretty new overall. Um, it's a software called Placer AI. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of it, but I've heard of it, but that's about all I know about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, um, I want to say they were developed probably about two or three years ago now, um, and they're still kind of figuring out the kinks and the challenges and what works and what doesn't. But um, we came in and we wanted to be able to look at uh, data in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little creepy, but it's stuff that's already kind of taking place and happening all around us anyways. But, um, you know, this company basically looks at four or five different uh, applications on your phone that you've mm-hmm. opted into. Um, you know, it doesn't give me specifics as, as far as your name and your social security number or anything like that. But um, it's got demographic information. It's got information about where I go, where I go after the location, mm-hmm. where I came from prior to that location, which has been really great for me. Uh, this is based on GPS data? This is based on GPS data. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so I can either uh, specifically drop a pin on a location that I want to kind of gather more information mm-hmm. on in any given time frame, whether it's a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever, um, compare it against you know previous years, um, or I can geofence the entire 99 block district that we represent. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of capabilities that we can use it for. Um, but right now, it's I'm really leaning into it and kind of researching a little bit more about that too, uh, in terms of what that means for marketing, what that means for sponsorship and development. Um, how does that intersect? How does that play? 
Um, how do I use that to my benefit to make sure that with a very small limited budget that I do have that I'm being effective with it? Yeah. Um, and so I'm really starting to learn a lot more about that. Uh, Caitlin Bestel, who is our office and stakeholder administrator, she's kind of been our point person on that, but I'm learning a lot from her as well. Um, so that's a really good tool I would say that I have right now that we're, we just brought on in February or March of this year, but, um, I've been really intrigued with all the information I've been gathering so far. Yeah, it sounds like a great tool, especially for an organization that has to understand patterns. Yeah. You know, where do people go from point A to point B and how long do they stay and all those things. Yeah. Or if, you know, we we know that we're only bringing, you know, uh, women that make 70000 to 100000 downtown. How do we get our message to reach some of these other, you know, demographics yeah. and some of these other income households and stuff like that? And so um, – it's been really fascinating to see just the data behind it all and, and the patterns that are formed and, yeah. and how those have changed even just within the last two to three years. Yeah. So it's yeah. been really cool. Well, and maybe you can use it to track your kids when they get a there little bit <laughs> Because with four kids, you're going to need all the help you can get. There you go. Yeah. Well, Preston, if people want to learn more about your organization, what's the best place for them to do that? Uh, visit us at our website at downtownfortwayne.com, um, or you can follow us on social media at downtownfortwayne as well. Um, we've got a really active uh, social media presence. It's continuing to grow leaps and bounds. Um, and the website's a really great resource, even for parking as well. So. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for doing it. And thanks to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this week's episode episode of the Asher Marketing Podcast. We will be back next week with another great guest, and we hope you'll join us then. <laughs>